Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here for worship. Glad you joined us this morning. Do we have any college graduates in the room? I know we got a couple. Stand up. Hey. Okay. (laughs) When was it? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I guess I should say, like, in the last few days, maybe. (laughs) Any others in the last ten years? (laughs) No. Uh, If you graduated this weekend... Or recently, I should say, you know, in the last few weeks, uh, would you stand? I'd like to congratulate you. Ben? Jay? Thank you guys for standing. These guys both uh, completed their coursework in an undergraduate and graduate degree, so congratulations, guys. And um, it's be a string of graduations coming up high school, college, master's degrees, all of those things. And so. It's exciting. We have a handful of students that attend our church, and so uh, many of them that attend either Cal Baptist, most of them seem to, and then UCR we have a few that come, and so um, summer times for us, a lot of students head home, and so for those of you who are on your way home, this is your last week, uh, we will see you in the fall, and so we're really grateful you plugged in for your school year, and, and many of you serve, and we're really grateful for your service to our church, and um, I want to make an announcement. You'll see this yellow or green card, if you'd pull that out real quick. In the summertime, what we do in our kids' ministry, we uh, we give our summer or our, our regular kids' own teachers um, the summer off because they teach nine months out of the year in our kids' in our kids zone. And so they really serve our congregation well. They serve our families. They also serve, and if you're not, uh, if you don't have any kids, you're still served by those people because they really allow us to have a kind of a distraction-free um, worship uh, center. And so um, they lead our kids' ministry and teach, and they you know, attend one service and serve in the, off, in the opposite service. And so we're um, giving them the summer to just take a break. And so we appreciate all of you that do serve in Kids Zone. Um, but we're asking all of our members, and if you're a regular attender, we'd also ask you to consider this, um, to, to help out in the Kids Zone um, this summer. Specifically, three things we could use help on. One is just to say, hey, I can help for two weeks. That's kind of the, the area that just to be a helper, either consecutive or separate, or one month, like an entire month, or all through the summer. We, need, um, we only have about one-fifth of the help that we need, and so we've got a ways to go, and so we're really needing help. And so if you're a member of our church, we're actually really counting on you to, to sign up for one of these three options. If you attend here regularly and you'd like to participate in this and help out, um, you won't need to prepare anything. You just show up to the class, and everything that is needed would be there. Um, we'd certainly, the lead teachers of our classes are background checked, and all of our volunteers that would help them with this, you'd simply need to attend and be a help to the lead teacher that's there. Our kids on director would explain to you more of what is required of you. And um, so you can drop this in the offering. We're really needing this stuff pretty soon. So let's pray together as we head into our message. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness and your love and your faithfulness, Lord, just as we've sang. You're steady, God. Your word is our foundation that we can build life upon. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd, um, your, your word is alive. It's active, Lord. It's, it's living. It's active. It pierces through to it cuts through the stuff in our life, Lord, getting right at the core of who we are, what we need. And Lord, we pray that we'd cooperate with you this morning, that we just set our hearts to yield to you in whatever it is you want to communicate. Specific things, Lord, about our work and just our career, our jobs, the things that we're dealing with, Lord. And as we're looking at this topic of work, 
Lord, I pray you just would show us, God, where, where we can put this into practice. Help us to be people who um, do what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're wrapping up this message series called At Work, where we've been looking at questions that we all ask at work. And so this last question is, is it time for a change at work? And I know I've asked that question at different points, like, do I need to transition? I've had different jobs where I was like, I need a change. And I'm sure you've had that same experience. And God really has a lot to say about this area when it comes to change. Like, He, he actually um, gives us some things that, you know, make it very clear that we should know when it's time to leave. There's certain things that should indicate it's time to leave. There's also some things to ask related to promotion. And just, He has, he has a lot to say about this area. And so... In Scripture, you find out many of these things are answered. And so in this listening guide you've got here in your bulletin, at the very top key idea that we're going to work off of is, is this, is God is in charge of promotions. God is ultimately, He's in charge of all promotions. He's the one who's in charge. We think that we direct our destiny. We think you know, that we're in charge of, of securing our position and finding our way or building our course when it comes to our career, but God is ultimately the one who's in charge of all promotion. In Psalm chapter 75, this psalm, very powerful psalm, it says right in the middle of the psalm, it is God who judges. He brings one down. He exalts another. You know, He brings leaders down. He sovereignly rules the affairs of this world. He's in charge. He's in charge of promotion. He exalts people. We, we don't tend to think this way. We think we're in charge of exalting ourselves. We think we're responsible for seeking out promotions and, and actually job, you know, I guess success. We think that that's something we do. And so we, we you know, we call headhunters. We, we try to work on things on our end to improve in order to get better jobs. But God is actually the one who's in charge of all promotion. He sustains even the universe. This psalm, if you back up a few verses, it says, when the earth all its, and all its people quake, you know, when there's earthquakes, when things are shaking, God says, it is I who hold its pillars firm. What that means is that, you know, the effects of, of sin on this world and just when the, when the earth is shaking and when things, you know, we live in a fallen world and we experience that, we experience the fall in nature. It says, even in the midst of the shaking of the world, God says, it's I who hold the pillars firm. You know, he's, he's sustaining nature. He's sustaining his creation, everything that he's made. He's still holding it all together. God is always at work. We've talked about that. But this passage reminds us of this. Sometimes people, it seems they slide into positions without permission, we think. Man, how did they get there? How come he's the boss? How come he's in charge? How come she's in charge? And we think, wow, why would God allow them, or why would anyone allow them to give, you know, to have power or position? And sometimes we find that God allows for power or position for a temporary time to expose pride and to bring someone down. This, this is, he says this in Psalm 75, 4. It says, To the arrogant I say, boast no more. And the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift your horns against heaven. Do not speak with outstretched neck. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt a man. Then it says, but it's God who judges. He brings one down. He exalts another. This is an area that God... He's very much interacting with us. And we tend to not believe this is true. We tend to think this is an area that we're in control of. And so when it comes to improving our job situation, we tend to just take matters in our own hands. We try to figure out a way to, to make things happen. 
And we sometimes ignore the one who's actually in charge of our, of our lives and our promotions. And so what we're going to do this morning is look at what he has to say about the right kind of work, when it's time to leave work. So in this scripture, here's what God says about the right kind of work. The right kind of work, God says, results in good. It results in good things. As I've been preparing this week for this message, um, this verse, it highlights the idea of all work needs to be beneficial. It needs to be useful for other people. Paul tells this church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 4.28, this is a church full of, of people with pretty checkered pasts. They, much of them had come out of some pretty um, immoral lifestyles. And then they came to Christ. And so Paul's instructing them about some of the changes they were going to make. And so he starts listing out, because these were people who, who used very little restraint. They were very deceitful. They, it was kind of like they did whatever they wanted. And so now some of them had come to Christ. They decided they wanted to follow the Lord. And so Paul begins to list out things they should stop doing and things they should start doing. And so in this passage he says, you're going to want to stop lying to each other and start being truthful with each other because you're the body. The body needs to operate in truth. You're part of this church now. You operate in truth. Don't lie to each other. And in another place he says, stop just getting angry and letting your anger you know, cause you to blow up at people or stuff it and eventually explode on people. He says, you used to do it that way. Stop doing that. Now start clearing up your anger. Dealing with things before the sun goes down. Getting things cleared up. Later, verse 29, he says, he says, you know, rather than harming people with your words, with cutting people down, he says, use your words to build others up. And right in the middle, he addresses work. This verse is really tied to work. He says, stop. He says, for those in the past that made their way from stealing, they must steal no longer, but they must work doing something useful. That's the point he's saying. He's saying there was some people believe that there was thieves that would frequent from the mountains. They'd come down and they'd raid the towns. So maybe thieves would raid from the mountains around Ephesus, raid the town. And then he said, if, if there are people in the church that used to do that, he says, they need to stop doing that and start doing something useful. That's the point. Your work should result in something good. We're to work in a way that it benefits not just us, but it benefits other people. And so a good question to ask about this verse is, does my work benefit others? Is it, is it doing something good? Is, it, is there some sort of contribution that my work, my employment... Is actually making in the world. And the Bible, the Bible also says the right kind of work should provide. On three levels it should provide. First, it should provide for myself and my family in a sense. It needs to provide for yourself. You need to be carrying your own load. You need to make sure that you're pulling your weight. Paul said this to a church. He said, for you yourselves, you know how you ought to follow our example. He said, he's talking about when he was with this church, he says, we were not idle, meaning we weren't lazy, we weren't inactive. When we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread or anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked hard night and day. He was like a pace setter. He really worked hard by example, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Paul was a guy who would, he was a tent maker, and so he carried his own load. And he honestly could have received support from the churches that he was starting, and he actually makes a case for it, saying, hey, I could have been supported by you, but I didn't want anybody to point the finger at me saying I was doing this for, with wrong motives. So he said, I really made sure I paid my own way. And then he's really, uh, in this passage, helping us understand that we need to carry the load. All of us kind of wear a backpack of our own responsibilities we need to cover in life. If you're married, 
you know, you, you got to cover, you got to figure out how to, how will my work provide for my entire family then? And some people, they work two jobs in order to make this happen. If you're the head of your house, you know, it's your, it's your responsibility to figure out how is this thing going to go. If you can't, on your own income, you know, if you, it's, it's up to you. Maybe your wife works with you as well, or maybe she works in a different job, but if you're the head of your home, you've got to figure out how are we going to make this thing go? How do we support ourselves? Because God intends that we carry our own loans. That's the first thing. Our work, the right kind of work, allows or provides enough so we can support ourselves. Secondly, so that we can also give to God's work. This is another part of our consideration, is that our work also needs to provide not just for our own family, but God wants us to accomplish His mission, to cooperate with Him, and what He's doing around the world. His mission is carried out as people, as you and I, we manage the resources that He's entrusted for us to manage, and we steward them in a way that is pleasing to Him. Because it's His resources, then He gets to direct the flow of His resources in the way that He desires. And so He wants us to cooperate through giving to the ministries that He's using to advance His kingdom. Our local church here is, is to be part of the thinking of our members, of our attenders even, who are committed Christians. And... If, if you've decided to band with us, this is to be a part of your thinking. And he's saying, look, we're to support both the ministry, the work of the ministry, and those who do the ministry. Look at the verse in 1 Corinthians 9. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. He's talking about those who, who serve as their full-time focus, in a sense. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel pastors, ministers of the gospel, those who make it the priority of their lives, they're to be supported through the church ministry or through the church's giving. So our staff in this church is paid through the faithful givers of this church. Our staff, those who carry out ministry, those who lead in ministry, um, you know, they're really, um, it's, their, it's their main focus. God has, has said you're to focus your life on this. And so collectively, the church gives to support the ministers and the ministry. The facility that we used, that's a part of when we're working, when you're working, you're helping to, to participate in us being able to use this facility. The resources that we use for our kids' ministry, for our events, for our outreach, for the different things we just had over the past few weeks, major events to our community outreaches that we just did. Again, our work is to be, we're to be thinking about. My work needs to provide enough so that I can support myself also so I can give to God's work. It's interesting. We have a fairly steady base of givers now in our church. And what's crazy is that this church got off the ground about four or four and a half years ago through the faithful giving of a few 30-year-olds and a, and, a, and a string of 20-year-olds and maybe a 40-year-old, maybe an 18-year-old. But it was just this real small group of people who were pretty faithful. And some of those faithful givers were working part-time jobs while they're going to college. And they're giving faithfully while they're working part-time. And then as they stepped into careers, they'd already established that faithfulness, that stewardship, and so they begin to give as, as, as career people. But it's amazing to me that God, you know, he, he allowed us to launch this church with the faithfulness of a few people. And along the way, more people have come along and said, I want to be a part of that. And so, but this is to be a consideration of ours. Is my work providing enough for me to also participate in what God's doing so that I can give to his work? And then the third thing is, he also wants us to be making enough so that we can also share with those in need. God wants us to be those who, who look past just our family. The latter part of that, that verse in Ephesians says, you know, he who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work 
doing something useful with hands, with his hands. Why? Because that he may have something to share with those in need. A hundred percent of what we make was never meant for us. A hundred percent of it wasn't just for us and our family. There's so many benefits to our work, but this is one of them. It enables us to help others who are in need, to help others whose lives begin to unravel, whose financial needs rise up and then we hear about them. If, if we're not thinking about that, if we're not planning for that, then we, can typically, we typically can't do anything about it when it happens. But needs come up, at least in our congregation, all the time. That's just, that's just in our congregation. There's needs in our city that come up all the time. But what this requires is it requires us to set a cap on our lifestyle so that we're not spending well beyond our income. Most of us, we make this 100%, and it's very easy to spend 105, 110, 113% because of credit cards. And so if we'll consider, you know, we need to live off of a certain amount and then begin to set in our budget firm percentages that we're giving to God's work and also to share with those in need. It allows us to make that a part of our life. If, if you just think, oh, I'll give if I ever, you know, if I hear of a need and I have the money, well, it tends to never happen that way. When the needs come up, an opportunity just passes. Opportunities go by us. But the needs of others, these are to be more than just a blip on the screen. It's to be a consideration for our work. And if our work is not meeting our financial needs, here's what we learn. First, trim our spending. If the problem is, well, I'm spending too much, then that's the first place to start. If you're a follower of Christ and you feel like you're not doing well, paying attention to those three areas of yourself and God's work and those, who, those needs that come up, then begin to trim back on, on you. Begin to trim back on what you spend. Proverbs 12.9 says, Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Interesting verse. First, he says, better to be a nobody, someone who's kind of unknown. It's better to be honest that, about that. Just be honest. You know, I'm kind of a nobody right now. Or be honest, I have the means I can hire a servant. You, you're, maybe you're someone who has some affluence and you've got the resources to hire a servant. He said, just be honest about the position of life. It's better to be that guy than to be pretending to be somebody that you're really not and you can't even provide food on the table. He says, that's kind of, it's just better to be honest. And so I'd encourage you, set up a budget that's according to your income. Consider these things that God wants you to make a priority and begin trimming if you're, if you're spending beyond your limits. Also, there's nothing wrong with desiring to move up in your company. This is another thing. is If your work isn't meeting financial needs, try to get better positions. Try to move up in the company. Try to find better employment. You can do this in many different ways. You can sharpen your skills. You can, you can um, talk to your boss about what opportunities there are in your current company. Find out what they're actually thinking about the future. Don't just assume. Some people, they just stick their head in the sand and they think, I'm never going to go anywhere. I'm trapped in this job. I can never. And so we stick our head in the sand and we don't, get it. We don't, we don't sharpen our skills. We don't try to advance. And it's okay to move up. 1 Corinthians 7.21, Paul told the church of Corinth, some of them who were slaves before they came to know Jesus Christ, he says this. He says, were you a slave when you were called? Some of them were. That was their position in life. Some had enslaved themselves in order to have their needs met. Others, it was to pay off a debt. But he said, were you slaves when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. There's nothing wrong with desiring to advance. There's nothing wrong with desiring to earn their freedom, he's saying. And so for us, we need to 
to, it's not a bad thing. Some people think, oh, I shouldn't try to be ambitious in life. There's nothing wrong with trying to move up to advance. But there's a way to do that. You have to keep in mind first, God is the one who's in charge of promotion. But laziness and fear, just digging our, putting our head in the sand, will keep us from moving forward. Laziness and fear, it will prevent us from improving our station in life. This isn't in the outline, but there's an interesting verse in Proverbs 22, verse 13. It says, The sluggard says, There's a lion outside, or I will be murdered in the streets. So it's kind of a picture of a person who's inside, and he's looking out, and he's too fearful to step outside because of what might happen to him. And it's like the opportunity to advance is out of the house. You've got to get out of the house and get, get out there. And instead, it's like there's a, there might be a lion out there. I might be murdered in the streets. I'm just going to stay here inside. And again, it's the idea of, of laziness or just fear of what could be. And so, it's nothing wrong with trying to, to improve or to move up in your company. But there are some boundaries that, you should, that should prompt you to leave your job. There's a few things that God says are off limits for those of us who follow Him. Leave your job first if it's illegal, if it's dishonest, or if it's immoral. If the company you're working for is, is what they're doing ultimately is immoral, if it's shady, if it's unethical, dishonest. You know, some of these verses may seem really obvious, but take a look. To the Israelites, God said this. He said in Deuteronomy 25, You must have accurate and honest weights and measures so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. See, the Israelites were to be totally honest in their business dealings with others. And then he says in verse 16, For the Lord your God detests anyone who does these things, anyone who deals dishonestly. God detests that. And so the Israelites, they believed that the Lord was actually the one who would withhold or give them prosperity. He was the one who was in charge of, of blessing financially. He was, the, he was the one in charge of the resources that flowed into their lives. Or he was also the one that was in charge of withholding financial resources. And so to use honest weights and honest measures, it was a statement that they were saying, we trust in God to provide for us. We don't need to, to rig the scales. We trust if we do things justly that our God who is, who is faithful to provide, he, he can provide, He will provide. And so they stay in bounds. Or just there's certain immoral employment. Immoral employment, example, Deuteronomy 23, 18, God, He detests this. It says, you must not bring the earnings. This may seem obvious, but it says, you, may not, you must not bring the earnings of a female prostitute or of a male prostitute into the house of the Lord your God to pay any vow because the Lord your God detests them both. So prostitution, uh, the adult entertainment industry, it may be legal in certain states, but God will still judge it. And the truth is, there in our day, there's all sorts of shady businesses. There's all sorts of deceptive schemes. Any kind of buying and selling in, in these forbidden forms, we just should steer clear of. There will always be a market for this kind of stuff. There's always people that will buy things that are out of bounds for us. And so don't think, well, the jobs are available. It's not illegal, but just because the state doesn't say it's illegal doesn't mean God won't judge it. There's some blatantly immoral jobs. And so if you're currently in one of those where you're just not sure, I'd encourage you, you know, start looking for a new job. Abandon ship. Also, you want to leave your job if it robs, if your company robs the basic rights of people. God highly values human life. So this was said from God to Noah after God flooded the earth. Remember, the earth was judged because of sin. And God flooded the earth and takes Noah, this one righteous man, his family, puts him on a boat 
allows them to live and start the human race over in a sense. And he tells them, whoever sheds the blood of man, he's giving them instructions for this new civilization. Whoever sheds the blood of man by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. So because of the flood's destruction of life, you know, the flood destroyed human life. And so people might have thought, well, God doesn't value human life, so we can go around killing each other. We can do things that take away people's rights. Maybe people would have devalued life. And so God was just saying, look, this covenant I'm making you shows that life is still sacred, not to destroy others, people that have been made in the image of God. There's a lot of organizations and businesses that, that do not uphold the sanctity of human life. And so that's a boundary you don't want to cross. You don't want to employ yourself in one of those places. And then there's these other areas that we would just call the gray areas. In the gray areas, don't violate your conscience. If you're in work that you're just not real sure is pleasing to God, you have a sense in which you're like, oh, I just have this feeling that what I'm doing and what we're doing as a company is not right and God wouldn't be pleased with, don't violate your conscience. You want to operate in faith. You can read that later, Romans 14:22. You want to live by faith. And the truth of the matter is, often when we walk away from jobs that God says, hey, that's off limits for followers of mine, it requires a tremendous amount of faith for us to see God come through and to put us in a place or to, to, to place us in an organization that is actually doing something resulting in good rather than harm. But it requires faith. A few more principles on how to gain a promotion. First, probably the most important one is qualify yourself before God. Qualify yourself. Since He's the one who's in charge of promotion, qualify yourself before Him. Are you qualified? Think about it. Right now in your company, where you work, are you qualified for a promotion? Of course we think we're qualified, but the real question is, what does God think? Of course we think, yeah, I'm qualified. It's kind of obvious. Anyone would promote me. But the real question remains, what does God think? Have we qualified ourselves before Him? Look again at Psalm 75. We already looked at this, but it says, No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt a man, but it is God who judges. He brings one down, He exalts another. Also, leadership is exalted, and it's also directed through the hand of God. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart, the leader, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever He pleases. For many of us as Americans, we believe, when, when, when we look at these verses, it's really difficult for us to believe this is really true and this is how life really works, that God's really in charge of my promotions. We think, oh, I'm just going to go around and find my own way. So we, again, like I said, we call headhunters. We, we, we try to maneuver, position ourselves. We try to step on people to, to advance. We believe that God is true, many of us, but He's not real. And so we put him in this category of God's really true. Man, he's true. But he's not real. True meaning like thing, facts like, you know, the earth at its, you know, around the equator is 25 million feet around. That's true. It's 25. Or Jupiter, it has nine moons. That's true. God, he's true. He's in that category of true things. But he's not real. When it comes to real life, we, oftentimes we disregard what he has to say in the Bible. Something that is true and real for us is like gravity. Gravity's true, it's a law, but it's also real that we enough that we respect it. You know, we all respect gravity. We don't just go running off of buildings thinking we're Superman. You know, we respect we know, hey, if I step off this building, 
If I, if I jump off this fence, I'm going to fall. We respect the law of gravity. We would do well to place God in the true and real. And the true box is, he, he's true. So I, I think about him on Sunday for a, a little slice of my life. Because he's true. But when it comes to real things, he wants us to live along, you know, live in line with his ways, really. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He wants His Word to intersect, intersect our lives to where we're beginning to live this out, really. And if we don't do that, man, we experience consequences because the real God who's really there, He, he keeps His Word. And some of the things He says, you don't want to cross this line, we cross the line and we experience the real God. We experience some of the consequences of disobeying Him. He's a very loving, gracious God. But, but He said some things very clearly to us. And if your children... If you do not help them understand, if, if for them God is only true but not real, by the time they're 18, they'll walk away from God. They'll walk away from the church. And you're going to be scratching your head thinking, what did we do wrong? What happened? And a lot of people, you know, I, they went to church all their lives, but the problem was God was true, but He was not real. They need to see the reality of God working out in our lives. They experience that. So qualify yourself before Him meaning relate to Him as the real God. Present yourself to Him. Yield yourself to Him and what He really says in the Scripture. Go back through some of the stuff we've looked at over the past series and just really, God, this is how you really work. Work through these scriptural principles and, and obey Him. Secondly, keep your motives pure. When you're looking to, to advance and gain a promotion, bring your motives before Him. Keep them pure before Him. Even when you're declaring a major, for those of you who are students, you're declaring a major. What is, what is the motive behind declaring that major? Is it purely financial? Is it purely for status? Keep your motives pure. Be honest. Look at Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for this is the wellspring of life. Your heart, our hearts are the decision-making center of our lives. This is like guidance control for us. Our future determines is determined by what we allow in our heart. And so Solomon says, guard it. Keep it locked down. Don't just let anything slide in there. There are certain motives, though, that we start harboring in our heart. And the truth is, all of us in this room are a mixed bag. We've got some good stuff in our heart. We've got some bad stuff. But it's important to identify the wrong stuff that's in there. To call it out and say, okay, I'm just going to be honest with myself. There's some greed related to this desire for more position. There's some envy. There's some flattery that I'm using as it relates to my motives. There's some shortcuts. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of walking on some, some ethical thin ice. And if any of those motives are in the mix of us trying to gain a promotion, you know, we need to be very careful because some of the things that we'll do in order to gain promotion actually cuts the feet off of our lives in our career. If we start stepping on people in order to gain promotion, and the Lord says for those of us who know Him, man, we're bringing real harm and trouble our way. You don't want to exalt yourself. You don't want to toot your own horn. Again, God is the one that exalts a person. So examine your motive. Keep bringing them before the Lord. Be careful in trying to butter up the boss. You just butter him up with flattery. and you know, Be careful. It's a very dangerous area. You want to major on humility. As it relates to your motive, this is a good motive. Is just is choosing to, to humble yourself, to lower, to put yourself, to push yourself down. Choose humility. Let others go ahead of you. Help others succeed. Major on humility. And 
Matthew 23.12 says, For whoever exalts himself, this is what Jesus said, will be humbled. For those of us who, who push ourselves up and try to raise ourselves up, here's the promise, you'll be humbled eventually. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Be a genuinely humble person. And if you grow in humility, if you major on humility, just don't declare the major. Keep it undeclared in college terms. You know, don't broadcast. Man, I'm really growing in humility. Because <laughs> you just ruined it. <laughs> Let others spot that in you. Let others, you know, encourage you in that. But keep majoring on humility in this effort to advance in your career. And then finally, work diligently. We keep coming back to this. I think it's come up in every message. But this is the key to work, is work diligently. Be a hard worker. Work hard while you're on the job. Every hour hour you're on the job, work hard. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. Proverbs 12.24 says, Diligence is being energetic, being enduring, being thorough. You know, getting the job all the way done. Matthew 25.23, in a parable, a short story that Jesus is using to drive home a point about promotion, about faithfulness and more responsibility. Jesus said that there was this hard-working, diligent servant who, who received this response from his master. Look at the response. After working hard, his master comes and replies and says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. So how are you handling the little things on your job? Do you finish what you start at work? Do you finish the projects? Can you be counted on by your boss, by your supervisor, by your company? Can they count on you to complete things? Or do you leave things half done? Can you, can you keep up the energy? This is part of diligence. It's keeping the energy up while the job is still being you know, completed. Sometimes we start well and then we just... Energy level kind of diminishes. But can you keep the energy level up while you're working? Do you pay attention to the details? Again, that's part of diligence. You're thorough. I'm going to invite the band to come up and close our time together. But as we've looked at what God has to say about work, as we wrestle with some of the questions that we all face, as we put these things into practice, the impact is that the, the world around us begins to see the reality of a God who changes people. And they begin to interact with us in companies throughout this city and in this region. And they interact with people who take God seriously and they, they, they recognize, wow, there's something different about this coworker of mine. There's something different about the way they do their life. And I'm not sure about that God that he believes in, but something is different and it's kind of undeniable. And they begin to see the consistency in the life of real followers of Christ and it makes a real difference. We have people in our church that they've decided to follow Christ because they were introduced to him through coworkers. They came to know Him because they saw a person who, who just was different. They did life differently. And as we apply what God says, what it does is it gives God, it, just a great, it gives Him a great reputation. He looks good before this unbelieving world. He's elevated work. We talked about this when we started. God has elevated all work to a noble place. God Himself is a worker. He continues to work. And so anytime we put our hands to work, anytime we get after work, it pleases Him. He made us to work. And there's a certain, you know, there's certain boundaries, there's a certain quality of things He's after. And I really want to encourage you, if you feel discouraged in this area, you feel like there's some areas you need to grow in, bring them to God as we pray in a moment. Just confess them to the Lord and just ask Him 
for his forgiveness. Identify some things. Take, take a look at some of these next steps on the back of this connection card the top left. You might consider checking one of these. The first one is immediately stop using flattery to seek a promotion. If this has been something you're using on the job, you're trying to, to gain a new job and you're buttering up the boss, I've already said that's a deceptive tool that you want to steer clear from. So maybe that's the first thing you, you, you identify you need to start with. And the second, another one is expose and adjust my motives. Just ask God to help you under, uncover your motives. What are the motives for promotion? What are the motives for your career? What are the motives behind, you know, are they, are they good godly motives? And are you, are you paying attention to these priorities that God has said about supporting your family, giving to his work, sharing with those in need? Are you, are you doing those things? Are those part of your life and your thinking? And finally, ask someone for perspective on how I can improve at work. I'd encourage you to talk to someone who knows you well. A coworker, a boss, a former boss. It's, I really want to improve in my, in my work. I want to be a good worker. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we just respond to Him. Father, we thank You for this time. Lord, this is, this is such a difficult area because we face it so regularly. And yet you've said so much about work. You've said so much about the way we should approach relationships at work, the way we should respect and honor those that are in leadership at work, the way we're to treat people that work alongside. And Lord, thank you for being clear on these things. You really care because you're the real God who is there. You want us to experience life in the way that you designed it, God. And our ways and your ways are so drastically different that we need to be reminded of your ways so often. So I pray that as we've looked at this, Lord, that there will be some things you've highlighted in our lives that, that you help us to focus on, Lord. None of the changes that, that we're talking about making here are possible without your work in our lives. And so we just confess our total inability to make these changes.